Kelly Swanson here. When I created the Pride's Hollow story series, I knew it was going to be special because I love this town and the people who color it. As soon as I found out that Old Man Withers was going to leave them all money as a challenge to be brave, I knew it was something more than just the stories of what they do. More than just the beautiful messages of courage, but, well, something bigger. How did I know? Because I know the power of story. I know the power story has to help me see my world in a different way. I know how hearing someone else's story inspires me and convinces me that I'm not alone and that I can jump too. This show is a community of people who encourage each other to be brave and then celebrate their acts of courage. So in addition to sharing my episodes of Pride's Hollow and their stories, I will also be sharing yours. This is my friend Cliff, or as he's known to most of us in our town, Santa Claus. If you've ever visited us around the holidays, chances are good he was ringing the bell on the sidewalk outside the store on that rainy night that you rushed in to buy a last-minute gift. Maybe you waved at him over your hot chocolate from your seat in front of the Christmas parade or brushed past his picture on someone's refrigerator at a holiday party. To some of you, he's really just a faint memory of when your child was a toddler and you propped him on Santa's knee at the mall, only to result in a fit of hysterics and a picture for the grandparents that, even despite it all, was worth the wait and the price. You probably didn't see him all those times he showed up in the local high school or bent down in the grocery store to take a few extra minutes to wink at a wide-eyed little boy who still believes. Or when he helped that lady out with her groceries and she found him charming, even though she knew he was really just a guy her age wearing a red suit. To most of the world, he just 
blends into the scenery of a holiday flashing by as quickly as the presents that are unwrapped in a rush on Christmas morning, or just an odd symbol from a religion you don't really follow. To many of us, he is a symbol, all right, that adorned our childhood in brilliant color, the embodiment of what you did or did not get from holidays past. Someone we loved as a child, but later found out he was nothing more real than the Tooth Fairy or the Easter Bunny, and was packed away with our favorite toys and belief in magic. I think most of us as adults would come to the conclusion that Santa is not real. But I would beg to differ. He is real. And he's my friend. And today, you're going to meet him. I still remember the first time I met my friend Santa in person at a coffee shop about 16 years ago. We had actually met on social media. Well, duh, doesn't everybody? So this was the first time we decided to meet up in person for coffee. I brought my son with me. I think he was two or maybe even younger. He was at the age when I pushed him around in a stroller, which I parked beside me in the coffee shop where he did not move the entire time. I had never seen my child so still for so long, literally frozen in place, forgetting even to chew on his little cracker. He was so spellbound, looking up at this man who, even without his fancy red suit, was obviously Santa. He was toddler starstruck, completely under his spell, and so was I. I have to admit, when I first became friends with Santa, I thought it was a little strange. Not that he became Santa once a year, but that he never really stopped the rest of the year. I remember saying to myself, wow, this guy takes his job seriously. And I was right, that he does take it seriously. I just didn't understand why. We chatted easily over coffee all those years ago. Now, I'm not really a social person. I know, hard to believe. So meeting strangers wasn't usually on my list of favorite things to do. But it was so comfortable sitting with my new friend Santa, who began by saying, Oh, please, Santa is so formal. You can call me Cliff. We sat there as time melted away, and I no longer noticed the people whispering and staring. We were just talking about life. This kind man who occasionally would turn and wink at a passing stroller, wanting to know what it was like to be me. And when I said something funny, I'm not kidding. He had the real Santa laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I have noticed in life when you meet strangers that most of these initial conversations are the same. You know, slightly polite and guarded, asking the right questions for the social setting. And many of these chance encounters have the same feeling, at least for me. But sometimes, in that rare occasion, the moment changes and unexpectedly becomes something, well, deeper. You get a glimpse into their soul, or they into yours, and there's this connection. Not the romantic kind, though that certainly qualifies, but a simple human connection. That's how it felt sitting across from my new friend. There was something that radiated from him. I felt it, my son felt it, I think even people passing by could feel it. I don't know what it was, an aura, a glow, a spirit of unrestrained kindness. There was a look in his eyes that made you feel safe, warm, important. Yes, that's it. 
important. And maybe it was a sugar and caffeine induced high, but suddenly I could feel that long forgotten magic I once felt peeking over the railing at dawn on Christmas morning to see if Santa had come. I felt like I could crawl into his lap again and everything would be okay. He had a way of making you believe again, but maybe you never believed at all. You can say Santa is a myth, but this man in front of me was very real. When I started my Pride's Hollow story series about the people in Pride's Hollow doing brave things, I decided I wanted to gather more than just their stories and in between those episodes, share your stories too, the things you did when you were brave. So I put out a request for volunteers to share their story and to my surprise, my friend Santa Cliff raised his hand. Immediately I knew he would be my first interview. The timing was perfect as the show aired in December. And what better example of courage than a man who one day walked out of his job and into a red suit? I mean, it's the very thing bravery is made of. As we arranged time for the interview, I realized I didn't really know the story of the man behind the beard. The path that led him to the decision he made. The story behind the jolly laugh. You see, I had always focused on what he does as Santa. I had never really focused on... Why? I mean, too often we fit Santa into our own story and what he does for us. Today, we'll step into his story and the true light behind his magic. Now, consider yourself very special because today we all get a sneak peek into the window of Santa's place. That's right. That's no green screen, my friends. It's the real thing. Santa's man cave. A lot of people ask me, what made me become a motivational speaker? Like like it was a dream and a plan I've had for a long time, which it wasn't. I didn't even set out to become a storyteller. I mean, where I am now is a result of a list of unexpected accidents and doors that opened, and I just walked through them. The biggest question I had for Cliff, as you probably do too, is, well, what makes a man decide he wants to be Santa? Often our purpose in life isn't really the result of a choice we intentionally make or a road we set out to pave, but actually an unexpected moment when you just say yes to an opportunity. That's what happened to my friend Cliff. And then I was a sales executive, sales manager for a company. And I got a call on a Friday, and my secretary said, come back to the office. We need to see you. It's an emergency. And so I thought, well, I thought something had happened to somebody, so I rushed back. And I was escorted into the conference room, and I was uh, dismissed with no notice. They said they were closing our whole division, and that would be my last day. And so as a provider for my family, uh, All of us, you know, fear that day when we no longer have a job. This was on April the 4th, 2008. I came home. My wife was, of course, surprised to see me, and I explained to her what had happened. And, Kelly, I worried about it for a couple of weeks. And I said to myself, uh, 
I'm Santa Claus. That's something that I had already been doing for a number of years, and I, I really embraced it. I felt like that's what my calling was. And I said, uh, I'm, I'm going to pursue being Santa Claus full time. And so I was old enough to sign up for early Social Security, which I did. And um, I began my new career. And I have not looked back a moment. Um, there's a scripture in Jeremiah that says, I know the plans that I have for you, a plan to prosper. And um, uh, I haven't missed a bill. And, and it's just been a wonderful journey since that happened. <clears throat> so that was a turning point for me. Not long after that happened, I got a Facebook message from a friend that a new photographer was opening up a studio in High Point. And so I went to see him for his grand opening, and I knew him. I'd called on him as a, as a customer, and um, he's um, a professional photographer. Larry Herzberger is his name. And uh, I said, have you ever thought about doing Santa photography? And he said, let me show you the set that I'm working on. And he took me back in the studio and showed me a Santa's workshop that he was already building. And he said, would you like to be my Santa? And I said, would I? I can be here in eight minutes from my house. And that started a relationship that's continued ever since. And because of Larry, some people say I'm the most photographed Santa in the world because products have shown up in over probably eight or 900 different things that he's created. Um, that have been sold in stores all over the country. And it's just been one miracle after another that I could not have created on my own. It's just that God placed different people in my past, and it's just been a, one, a wonderful thing. I wouldn't change anything about it. Wow. Have you ever had a moment like that where an unexpected door opens and you say yes and thinking it'll be over and forgotten, and then everything changes? If so, I would love to hear about it. Put it in the comments under this video or in the community thread on the YouTube channel. I think it's pretty cool that we're all probably one moment away from walking through a door that changes everything. And we find our purpose, even under quarantine. I think most of us would agree that our Christmas as a child was defined by our parents and how they wrapped up this holiday and presented it to us. The traditions passed down from generations, the favorite thing our grandma made, or the way my dad grumbled every year while untangling the lights, how my mother would secretly rearrange our carefully hung ornaments while we slept the odd assortment of friends and relatives and mismatched gifts that you begged to open just one before Christmas. So of course I wanted to know what Christmas meant to my friend, Santa Cliff. The dream started because my father loved Christmas more than anybody I've ever known. And uh, Every year he would take a picture of my brother and me and would print Christmas cards. He was a printer, had his own printing company. And um, 
to shorten the story, uh, he and his brother went to Camp Lejeune in North Carolina to pick up his brother's two sons in 1962 who were getting out of the Marine Corps. And on the way home, all four of them were killed in a horrific automobile accident. And so uh, the last thing that dad, it's happened on Labor Day weekend, and the last thing that dad said to me before he left is, uh, Cliff, uh, you're in charge now. You're the man of the house. You look after mom and your brother. And that's the last things that we shared. <clears throat> so when Christmas came around that year in, in Wesley Memorial Church, where I belonged to the youth group, uh, we were going to uh, take some toys to a mission that we sponsored. And they, they needed somebody to be Santa Claus. And somebody piped up and said, well, Cliff can do it. He's the fattest one in here. <laughs> and I didn't have the courage to refuse, and so I put on a rented Santa Claus suit and a fake wig and beard, and I went ho ho hoing into the Beddington Street Mission in High Point, and um, had a Christmas tree over one shoulder and a bag of toys over another shoulder. And those kids didn't care that it was a 15-year-old teenager dressed up as Santa Claus. As far as they were concerned, Santa had come to see them. So I made my way to a chair and I sat down and the children were clamoring all over me and everything and I was listening to what their wishes were for me. And it's like God tapped me on the shoulder and he said, Cliff, I know you've got a broken heart, but by bringing joy and happiness and excitement to other children, and I'm gonna heal your broken heart. And my journey started on that Christmas in 1962. And pretty much ever since, I've worn the red suit of Christmas every year. So that's that's how it all, all started. Um, what's your favorite Christmas song? Way in a Manger. That was my father's favorite Christmas carol. And whenever he would sing it, he... A, little, a tear would run down his cheek and and I, I kind of choke up about it when I sing it too so that's my favorite Christmas song Sometimes people look at what I do and they make an assumption that it's glamorous, that I only work an hour at a time, that I go to all these fancy places. <laughs> well, for starters, thanks to COVID, the fanciest place I've been lately is my basement. And the most glamorous outfit I've worn is when some Christmas tinsel landed on my yoga pants. My point is that things always look different from inside the dream. I asked Cliff to talk about a not-so-glamorous side to being Santa. Um, <laughs> it's funny that you would ask this. The very first time that I um, professionally put on the suit, I was a bell ringer for Walmart at, at, on North Main Street. And I was standing out there ringing bell and wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. And a fella came up to me and he stood about 12 feet away and yelled at me. He said, you're not the meaning of Christmas. Jesus is the meaning of Christmas. And I totally agreed with him, but he wouldn't give me a chance to, you know, explain 
my point of view because I totally would have agreed, but he cowered into the store, you know, uh, before I had a chance to talk about it and everything. And it hurt my feelings. I mean, because I agreed with him and I wanted to agree with him and I wanted to embrace that and talk about it and, and share his belief. Um, and, you know, I've, I've run into that a few times, not very many, you know, people are usually going to be polite uh, about it. Um, and if they don't agree with my point of view, that's okay too. I mean, Santa loves everybody. It's, it's interesting in this time that we're going, that we're in now where these lives matter, those lives matter, those lives matter. To Santa, they're all the same. There, there's, there's no rich and poor, there's no black and white or, or any other color. All of us are the same. That's the same way that God looks at us. Mm -hmm. is that we're all the same. He created each and every one of us. And I feel like Santa can bring some kind of um, peace to all of that, if that's possible in this turbulent time that we're having, is that Santa can, can be a mediator. Um, can, can I did a commercial the other day and I ended it with, I'm Santa Claus and I approve this message. <laughs> I was inducted in the International Santa Claus Hall of Fame in 2013, and we each have a, a moniker by our plaque in Indiana, and mine is Keeping Christ in Christmas. And I always, I share a, a meeting with all of our fellow Santas at all of our conventions called Keeping Christ in Christmas, and I, and I try to portray that that's why we do this anyway that it's about the birth of Christ. It's not about Santa. It's not about gifts. The greatest gift that was ever given to us was the birth of our Savior. And um, so that, that's the story that I portray in, in my, um, and I even have a nativity belt buckle that I wear. And you'd be amazed at how the children will, will focus on it and start pointing to the different characters and everything. And it's a perfect segue into explaining to them why we have Christmas and and so she she supports that she agrees with that and um and I try to share that every opportunity I get without you know I don't I don't you know I don't talk about it unless I feel like it's appropriate but uh but I that's why I'm Santa that's my calling that's why what I think I truly believe this is what God wanted for me to do What's the most unusual thing a child has ever asked for for Christmas while sitting on your lap? Do you remember? Was there one that stuck out? Oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I, was I was at the High Point Museum, and I was talking to some children, and a 12-year-old boy came up. Now, usually a 12-year-old is going to be kind of skeptical, you know, but yeah. his parents were with him, his grandparents were with him, and uh, he came, and he looked me straight in the eye, and I said, what would you like for Christmas, son? And he said, I'd like a parachute for Christmas. And I said, oh, a parachute? 
my goodness, I have never had anybody ask me for a parachute. You know, come to think about it, if anybody ever needed a parachute, it would be Santa Claus. I mean, imagine if I hit some turbulence or the sleigh flips over and I fall out. I tell you what, son, I'm going to ask the elves to make a parachute for me, make one for you. Now, let me make sure that I understood what you said. You want a parachute for Christmas, is that right? No, Santa. I said a pair of shoes. <laughs> well, then I was embarrassed because I don't hear well as it, as it is. And so, you know, I completely made up a story about what he had asked for when it really wasn't what he was. But boy, do I ever remember it. In my journey as a motivational speaker, I learned that if my job becomes all about how many people are in my audience or how many likes I get on Facebook or how much I get paid to speak, then the job is, well, it's always hollow. It's a pursuit of something that never really brings joy in the end. I learned that focusing on the many is not as powerful as focusing on the one person in front of me. I was surprised to learn how much Santa could relate to all of that. Now we think of Santa sitting there waiting for the next screaming toddler, smiling for the camera, wishing he could find more comfortable boots. We think of Santa stepping onto his stage and doing his thing. We don't think about a 10-year-old who sneaks up when nobody's around and just has one request. The one thing that Santa doesn't have in his big red bag. This 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 is an endearing uh, situation for me. I was at Chick-fil-A in High Point, and there was a little boy, heavyset little boy there. I always visit with him because I love the company. I love what they stand for and their um, their ethics, and so. We always have a Christmas with Santa party there. Anyway, there was a little boy standing off in the back that wouldn't come up to see me until the whole room had cleared. And so he came up and I offered him to sit on my lap and he felt like he was too big to do that. And so I got him right in front of me and I said, tell Santa what you would like for Christmas. He said, Santa, he said, all I want for Christmas is for the children to quit picking on me and calling me names and teasing me. Well, my heart broke because I knew exactly how he felt. I'd, I'd gone through the same thing when I was his age. But I also realized that I can't promise anything. I can't promise to give a child what they want for Christmas. But then I realized that I had a little book where I keep the names in, in my pocket. And I reached in and I took the book out. And I said, tell you what, son. I said, I'm going to write your name in this little book and I'm gonna write down what you asked me. And I said, I can't make the children quit picking on you, but I know who can. And so when I get home, I'm gonna say my prayers for you. And I asked him if that was okay, and he kind of smiled and he said, yes, Hannah, that's great, thank you. When he turned around to walk away, it's like the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder and said, now Santa, that's a promise that you can keep. And so that night when I got home, I was taking my outfit off. I sat down inside of my bed and I took out that little book and I turned to the page with Jeffrey's name on it. And I started talking to God about what he asked me for. And as sure as I'm talking to you, Kelly, 
Every angel in heaven heard that prayer. I still carry that book. It's got thousands of names in it because I know that as a promise that I can keep. If I tell a child, I'll say a prayer for them. And now, if they'll allow me, I'll say the prayer right there. Because that's another thing. I feel like a prayer said in their presence is far more important than a promise to say a prayer. And so if they'll allow me, I will say a prayer with them right then. And that Santa's prayer book is, is part of who I am now. It was in this moment I really figured out what I felt in that coffee shop all those years ago when I had looked into the eyes of my new friend. It wasn't a man. It wasn't Santa. It was the spirit of something bigger. It was the hope of the world. It was the Holy Spirit that lived inside this man spirit that was using this man, his hands, his feet, his laugh, his eyes, his lap, and yes, his list, to whisper to a little boy, I see you, you matter, you are loved, and you are not alone. And that man in the red suit isn't doing this to get his picture on a magazine. He's not doing it, so you'll throw another quarter in the donation kettle, though he wouldn't mind it. He's not doing it, so he can have people wave at him on a float. He's doing it so he can be there for the next child, or maybe adult, who comes and whispers in his ear to get their name added to the list. He's doing this for one more chance to share the hope that is within him. To those who say his existence minimizes the true meaning of Christmas, well, I would challenge and say that he is what this is supposed to be about. Kindness unfiltered, the dogged pursuit of a hurting soul, the ear that will listen to a whispered story and give back much more than can be contained in a red velvet bag. And that is the spirit of Christmas, sharing the hope that is in us and in the world. We know that this year has been hard for many, and that there are many who are hurting, who have heartaches and burdens that just feel too big to carry. Some of you today feel alone. You feel that there is no hope, and all you see around you is darkness. I wish I had the answers or the right words, but I don't. We can't pull out a magic gift to sell you from our big red bag. But we can put your name on Santa's list, and it will be heard by the Spirit in whose name it is written. If you want your name on Santa's list and know that it will be whispered to the stars in prayer for you, please just write it in the thread below. No need to share your story if you don't want to. Your name is enough. And, and if you do want to share your story or ask for some encouragement, take this chance to connect with another human who may not know your face, but cares anyway. 
That's what Pride's Hollow and these interviews are all about. These stories, it's linking arms together and whispering hope, finding courage and silver linings. And if anybody chooses to use this thread for negativity, don't worry. We'll just add them to Santa's naughty list and choose to focus on what is good. It is my honor to share Santa Cliff's story with you today. Thank you, Cliff, for sharing your heart. And maybe next time, when you pass the man in the beard, you'll take a closer look and hesitate the next time you're tempted to tell me that Santa is not real. Merry Christmas.